Welcome back. We're going to roll right into this little presentation of Walter Cronkite's acceptance speech at the World Federalist Association meeting in 1999. This was held at the U.N. building. And I'm going to just let these words soak in however they soak in for you without interpretation. I know how I hear them. And I think that if somebody is asking, what about Aquarius and what about two full moons in Aquarius in 2021? And knowing that this energy that we've talked about in the podcast is moving in this direction. Walter Cronkite, as I mentioned before, was the anchor of the CBS Evening News for 30 years almost. Back in those days, CBS had a policy of forced retirement. So Walter was out at the age of 64. He retired just before his 65th birthday as the presidential uh, exchange between Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan occurred. Uh, As we mentioned back then, now by the time he retired, there were four news channels because CNN had come on the scene. But there was not all of this stuff on TV. There were three anchors, and Walter dominated for all of those years. He had a very authoritative demeanor and yet a gentleness about him that earned him the moniker Uncle Walter, and many said that he was the most trusted man in America. Well, this is an organization that he had been with since the early part of his career. I did go in and make edits just to reduce the time, but I will put a link to the entire video in the show notes if you would like to click on it and go to it on YouTube. But if you listen into this, there is, to me, a lot of Aquarian energy in the content of this speech. I won't close this out when it's over, it's over. So from 1999, America's trusted anchorman, Walter Cronkite. Well, there are two reasons, really, why I'm particularly grateful and honored by this award. Uh, The first, uh, I, I, I believe, as Norman Cousins did, that the first priority of humankind in this difficult era is to establish an effective system of world law that will assure peace with justice among the peoples of all the world. <laughs> but uh, second, I, uh, I feel rather sentimental uh, about this award and this organization because half a century ago, Norman Cousins offered me a job as the spokesman and the Washington lobbyist for the really nascent uh, organization called World Federalists. <laughs> I, uh, I was honored. He and Oscar Hammerstein, Hammerstein met me in the Waldorf and twisted my arm quite vigorously, got me to take the job to take the place of Ted Waller, who was the first lobbyist and a noted supporter of the world federalist movement. I chose instead, uh, it turned out, to continue in the world of journalism. Uh, For many years, I did my best to report on the issues of the day with as much fairness uh, as I possibly could, in objective a manner as, uh, as possible to achieve. When I had my own strong opinions, I tried to put them aside for the moment in the interest of fairness. I didn't communicate to my hope to my audience. Now, however, now, however, my circumstances are considerably different. I'm in a position to speak my mind, and by God, I'm going to do it. 
don't know those of us who are living today can truly influence the future of civilization. We can influence whether our planet is going to live or die, whether it's going to drift into chaos and violence, or whether through a monumental educational and political effort, a monumental effort, we will achieve a world of peace under a system of law where individual violators of that law are brought to justice. For how many thousands of years now have we humans been what we insist on calling civilized? And yet, in total contradiction, we also persist in the savage belief that we must occasionally at least settle our arguments by killing each other. While we spend much of our time and a great deal of our treasure in preparing for war, we see no comparable effort in establishing peace. Meanwhile, emphasizing the sloth in this regard, those advocates who work for world peace by urging a system of world law and order, world government, if you please, are called impractical dreamers. Those impractical dreamers are entitled, it seems to me, to ask their critics, what is so darn practical about war? First, we Americans are going to have to yield up some of our sovereignty. That's going to be, to many, a bitter pill. It would take a lot of courage, a lot of faith, a lot of persuasion to them to come along with us on this necessity. Our forefathers believed that the closer the laws are to the people, the better. Cities legislate on local matters, of course. States make decisions on matters within their borders. And the national government deals with issues that transcend the states, such as interstate commerce, foreign relations. That's what we mean by federalism. Today, we must develop federal structures on a global level. To deal with world problems, we need a system of enforceable world law, a democratic federal world government. You know, what Alexander Hamilton wrote about the need for law among the 13 states applies today to the approximately 200 sovereignties in our global village, all of which are going to have to be convinced to give up some of that sovereignty to the better, greater union. Hamilton said, and it's not going to be easy, Hamilton said, to look for a continuation of harmony between a number of independent, unconnected sovereignties in the same neighborhood would be to disregard the uniform course of human events and to set at defiance the accumulated experience of ages. Today, the notion of unlimited national sovereignty means international anarchy. We must replace the anarchic law of force with the civilized law of, uh, of law, force of law. Uh, ours is never going to be a perfect world for heaven's sakes. We all know that. Not a, there can't be a world without some disagreement, probably occasional violence. But it will be a world where the overwhelming majority of national leaders will consistently abide by the rule of world law if we have our way and can sell our program. And those who won't obey the law, the international law with which we'll be governed, are going to be dealt with effectively and with due process of the structures of that same world law. 
we're you know we're never going to have a city without crime. We're never, but we 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 certainly would never want to live in a city without law, a law to deal with the criminals who are always among us. Most important, we should sign and ratify the Treaty for a Permanent International Criminal Court. That is now at the core of the World Federalist Movement's drive. That court will enable, enable the world to hold individuals accountable for their crimes against humanity. Some of you may ask, although I think most of you know the answer, why the Senate is not ratifying these important treaties and why the Congress is not even paying our UN dues. Even as with the American rejection many years ago now, the League of Nations after World War I. Our failure to live up to our obligations to the United Nations is led by a handful of willful senators who choose to pursue their narrow, selfish political objectives at the cost of our nation's conscience. They pander to and are supported by the Christian coalition and the rest of the religious right wing. Their leader, Pat Robertson, has written in a book a few years ago that we should have a world government, but only when the Messiah arrives. <laughs> he wrote, literally, any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Well, join me. I'm, I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan. <laughs> the only way we can do it is to organize a strong educational counteroffensive, stretching from the most publicly visible people in all fields to the humblest individuals in each of our communities. That's the vision and the program of the World Federalist Association. It begins with education and it ends with success and hope. Let us hear the peal of a new international liberty bell that calls us all to the creation of a system of enforceable world law in which the universal desire for peace can place its hope and its prayers. As Carl Van Doren has written, history is now choosing the founders of the World Federation. That was back there at the beginning. And he said, any person who can be among that number and fails to do so has lost the noblest opportunity of a lifetime.